You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. Hi, everybody. It's Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like, you can send your questions or comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. So last week we did Rosh Hashanah. Now we're ready for Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. So many things that happen on this day, and I've been speaking to people, what have they been doing if they can't go to synagogue? We talked last week, people can't go to synagogue, and what are they doing? And, and there's all kinds of stuff online, and Zoom, and whatever. And But no matter who you talk to, they're all going to tell you it, it's not the same. They may feel that they want something, and people are trying to do something, but it's not the same. But I understand, right? Well, that's, we we got to take care of ourselves. We got to stay healthy. So each person has to figure out where he is, what he feels is safe, what works for him or her. And uh, again, we're hoping for a happy, healthy new year for everybody where we can go back to, back to our synagogues, back to our prayers. We got to do what we could do. Anyways, very funny story this week. Um teaching my class, and I tell them, I say, you know, tomorrow we're going to talk about the story of Jonah. Jonah is a big story. We're going to talk about it today. That's a big story on on uh, Yom Kippur. We read that we, we read that book, and the boy says, that's a third grader, you understand. He's talking to me, and he says, I, I know that story already. Do we have to do it again? So I said, you know, that's really a very good question. You know this story. I said, but maybe there could be a benefit for you to hear the story again. Go home, ask your grandparents if they have a good answer for you. Now, he's a little bit shy. He did not ask his grandparents. So I have two basic answers. I actually um, said it over again today. Today has been a big talking day. First of all, I teach in the morning. So I'm talking all morning long. Yesterday, I get a phone call um, for the girls' high school. They need someone to speak. Can I prepare something? How long do they have to speak for it? 25 minutes. So you might say, hey, great, you, you do that. You speak 25 minutes uh, twice. Just take what you're going to say today. Let me tell you something. These, are, these high school girls are really smart. You cannot just walk in with fluff. You have to have a whole piece prepared for them. Yeah, they like stories. There's got to be a message. There's got to be... It's Really, when I speak for them, I like to give myself a couple weeks, uh, let ideas uh, float around and bounce in my head, and, and then I write it down, and I rewrite it, and I crystallize it, and I get everything tight. I said yes, because the, the person asking was, uh, was hoping I would say yes. I did him a favor. I said yes. I didn't get to crystallize it. It wasn't, it wasn't as, I'm sure it was fine, but it wasn't as tight when I speak to an audience, I want it to be tight. When I speak here on a podcast, we can relax, we're friends, we're schmoozing. It's, a, it's different. 
So I told him over what this boy said. I started out with that. And I told him two answers. Answer number one is, you know, it's possible that uh, when you hear the story again, as you get older, you know, a second grader hears one thing, a third grader hears something else, and obviously a high school girl will hear something else. So I can tell you the same story, and I hope that you're going to pick up more stuff the more you're in tune. The older you get, the more you recognize what you hear me say, how you hear me say it. That was one answer. But then he told me, he said, but that's not the good answer. The good answer is that even if you hear the exact same story over and over, there's still amazing benefit. And the proof to that is what we do on Passover. On Passover, we, I asked, I said, I said to the boy, what do we do on Passover? And I'm, we're going through this whole conversation, so you would think he would follow. He says, oh, we don't eat bread. I said, that's very nice, but that's not what I wanted from you. I wanted you to say that we tell over the story of leaving Egypt, of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. I said, it's the same story. We don't change the print. We don't change the story. We don't add details. Yes, of course, each person telling over the story can embellish any way he wishes. But the text itself is the same story. And most people are reading through the text. What's the point? I said, the point is that the more we go over the story, it's, it has to go from my brain into my heart. It has to become part of me. The way these stories become part of me is by constant review and constant repetition. It's a very important concept, and it is very powerful. So I start off telling the girls today, I said, uh, just in case you've heard some of my stories, you know some of the things I said, it's okay to hear it again. So here I am today, and I'm going to tell you in this segment, we're going to talk about Jonah. I know everybody says Jonah the whale. We're going to get to that too. As even if you think you know the story, first of all, I might have something new to teach you. And just in case I have absolutely nothing new to teach you, it's still worth listening to the story again. Okay, so first I'm going to give you a quick overview, and then we're going to break it down. Okay, so here we go. Two-minute story, Jonah the whale. Jonah's a prophet. He lives during the first temple period. I'm going to say towards the end, not really the end, but towards the end, like the second half of the first temple period. He's a student of Elijah. God comes to him and says, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a very large city, not a Jewish city. Go to Nineveh and tell them that uh, if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to listen, which in itself we have to discuss. Like, what does that mean? What do you mean you don't want to listen? God told you to do something. You're a prophet. What do you mean you don't listen? Um, Jonah doesn't want to listen, and he hires himself a ship to escape. Again, very strange, right? Escape from God? Like, what exactly are you planning to do? There is a tremendous storm. They make lots, which again, we'll have to see why they listen to the lots. And they take Jonah and they throw him overboard. Jonah goes ahead and he is he doesn't do anything. A fish swallows him. I know in the English it says Jonah and the whale, so whale swallows him. We'll decide if we like that uh, fish. And he's in that fish for a couple days and eventually he prays to God. Again, we have to find out one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, no. It's just that one fish or two fish will see exactly um, how many fish are involved. He gets spit up on the shore 
So he walks to Ninveh, goes into Ninveh, a day traveling to Ninveh. It takes three days by foot to cross Ninveh. If you want to figure out how far that is, the rabbis actually do talk about it with uh, different Talmudic uh, calculations. There's other places to say how far a person walks in a day. Jonah makes an announcement. In 40 days, Ninveh is getting turned over by God. That's it. Ninveh unbelievably goes ahead and has a major uh, repentance. Even the king gets off his throne. He puts on sackcloth. And the repentance is um, that it seems there was a lot of thievery, a lot of robbery, a lot of stealing going on in Ninveh. So they made sure everybody returned what didn't belong to them. It says even if they built a, a beam into their house that was stolen, they broke down the house, gave back the beam. Um, Jonah goes out of the city, finds himself a place to hang out. 40 days comes and goes. And of course, Ninveh is still standing because they repented. And Jonah is not happy. So God says, uh, why are you unhappy? They repented. Like, what's the problem? Then wherever Jonah was, I guess the weather's getting warmer. Some plant grew over him. Very, very comfortable. It was, uh, the Hebrew is a kikoyon. I have no idea in English what that really is supposed to be. I'm sure there are people that know it. I'm sure they'll tell me. And uh, he's very, the Yiddish word is geschmack. Very comfortable, very cool, uh, very good shade. And Jonah's enjoying the shade. And then that night, God sends a little worm to cut the bottom, to eat out the bottom of this plant. So the next day, God brings out a, a hot sun and dry wind, and the plant dies, and Jonah gets all upset. And God says to Jonah, what are you upset about? Oh, flowers here today again, tomorrow. You didn't even make this flower, this plant. You just found it. What are you so upset about? And the point was, and God says, so Jonah, I created Ninveh. Hundreds of thousands of people. At minimum 120,000 people. Hundreds of thousands of people. And you want me to just turn it over and destroy it? That is the end of the story. And you know, there's a lot of interesting things that we need to talk about. Right? We got to find out, like, this is quite unusual that a prophet will go to a non-Jewish city and tell them to repent. Like, who is Ninveh? Why does God want their repentance? What's so important? What's so special about them? We don't find Jewish prophets going around the world telling people to behave. That's one thing we have to focus on. We also have to focus on is why didn't Jonah want to go? You're a prophet. God gives you a job. So God gives you a job. Go. What do you know? You don't get to say no. You're saying no to God. Like, God says go, and you say, I don't think so. Like, what gives? And then you try to run away from God. Like, you're a prophet. You do know that God is not only in Israel. He's around the world, right? He's everywhere. So exactly where do you think you're running to? And then he does his job, and he's still upset. Like, what is the give and take between Jonah and God? And what's with this fish? He's thrown into the fish, so he's there. Then all of a sudden he prays. What gives? Okay, we will take this one step at a time and hopefully come up with a with a very clear understanding of Jonah and the whale. Now, before I go on, it does not say that it was a whale. It just says it was a big fish. I guess the people who translated decided the only big fish they know was a whale. 
But no one said it had to be a whale. Sorry for ruining all the picture books that have that nice whale and Jonah. It may have been a whale. I'm not allergic to the fact that it could have been a whale. I just don't know how anybody knows that's what the fish was. Again, it's not really so important. Just uh, I figured to get that on the table that I am not officially uh, accepting the fact that it was a whale. I'm okay either way. And truthfully, I don't really care. Okay. Who is Ninveh? Who is their king? So Ninveh is is from the the the, the nation called Ashur, or I believe the Assyrians. Ashur was going to be the nation that was going to destroy the first temple. So God has need for this country. God needs them. He needs them, and his need is because we have to be punished through them. The problem is. If they're really rotten to the core, they're, they won't be allowed to exist to destroy us. They have to, as we say, pick up their game. They have to be deserving to be around that they have the right to destroy the temple and take us into exile. So God does need them. However, it's not a free ride. Just because God needs someone, people think this way all the time. Oh, God needs me. I am so important. I give so much charity and I do so much good work. Like people with bosses. right? They imagine I'm such an important person. I'm such a good person. My boss can't survive without me. I can't get fired. So I can get away with uh, whatever I want to get away with. That may be true in your business. Don't count on it, by the way. But it may be true. It's possible. But with God, it doesn't work that way. How do we see this with Moses? God tells Moses... You're the only one. You are going to be the one to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. I got nobody else. And then on the way down to Egypt, because Moses didn't circumcise his kid, Moses is almost going to get killed. His wife comes to the rescue and circumcise the kid, so uh, Moses lives. But you see clearly from there that there's no such thing as God saying, well, I need you, so we're going to let things slide. It does not work that way. I don't. And I will not tell you all of God's calculations. But however God makes his calculations, just because he needs or wants a certain person, nation, to do something, um, but if they step out of line, he'll get rid of them. He'll, he'll find another way to punish or reward whoever has to be punished or rewarded. So the punishment is supposed to come through Ninveh, through this Asher. Um, but they're rotten. Now, in what way are they rotten? It's very interesting. They are rotten, I told you before, they're thieves. Who is that like? That's like the generation of the flood. The flood, they were such thieves. They, they stole right and left. We talked about society could not survive. It, you can't have a society where everybody robs everybody blind. It just doesn't work. I mean, I, I, you don't have to go more than just looking at your newscast. Any of those areas that uh, Portland is a great example, terrible example. But any of these areas where you have these, uh, these protests and they've closed up the area, everybody leaves. Nobody stays. You cannot stay in an area where, where you can't have a business without everybody breaking in and stealing everything. It just doesn't work. It is amazing. As a side point, uh, Detroit is really, you know, with all the inner cities around the country having problems, Detroit really has been pretty good. And the reason is because the, the um, police chief understands how to deal with the protest. 
He doesn't let them stop. They cannot uh, park themselves anywhere. They're allowed to protest. He he keeps his police officers away from them, but they have to continue moving. As soon as they stop, he starts arresting them. Because, you know, if they set up shop, they destroy areas. People run away. I mean, even look at New York. People are running out of New York. They don't want to stay there. They can't walk down the street. Certain areas where they had businesses are being destroyed. They leave. For a society to survive, you cannot have just open thievery. And that's what was happening in Ninveh. So on that, God says, I can't allow that society to exist. If they're not going to correct themselves by repenting, I'm going to turn them over. I will turn over Ninveh. So that's Ninveh. Fine. So we understand why God wants to take care of Ninveh. Very good. So now he goes to Jonah, his prophet, and says, because there's really no such thing as a non-Jewish prophet. God, this was taken care of with Moses, except for Bilam and the story in the Torah with his donkey. We don't really find, not we don't really, we do not find non-Jewish prophets. We just don't find it. All the prophets that God speak to in the Torah must be Jewish. Moses said to, I know there's other religions out there, fine, but uh, you're getting the truth from me. God, Moses says to God, I don't want you talking to, to any other nation with the Jewish people, and God agreed. Do with it as you wish. So, so God goes to Jonah and says, tell him to repent. Jonah says, I don't want to. How can he say he doesn't want to? What do you, you don't want to. God told you to go. You're, this is your job. So it's very interesting. There's a few different reasons, but they all wrap around the same idea. The most important reason is Jonah had a strong feeling, and he was right, that he's going to go to Ninveh. He's going to tell them to repent, and they're going to listen to him, which, at first glance, sounds fantastic. The problem is the Jewish people had so many prophets that kept warning us, repent, or God's going to destroy the temple, you're going to go into exile, warning, 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 and we didn't listen. So Jonah says, if nobody listens to God, okay, nobody listens. The Jewish people don't listen. Non-Jewish people don't listen. Okay, it's bad, but it doesn't look so bad on us. But if the non-Jews in Nineveh are going to listen to God and we're not going to listen to God, Jonah says that's terrible. That will be the cause of our destruction. Jonah says, I am not going to be the cause to get the Jewish people in trouble. I'm not going to do it. So, um, but, but God told him to do it. So he leaves. What does he want to accomplish by leaving? Jonah felt, and for the most part it's correct, God does not talk to prophets out of the land of Israel. God only talks to his prophets in the land of Israel itself. If God is only talking to his prophets in the land of Israel, so Jonah leaves Israel, no problem. <laughs> so God has a fish swallow him up and uh, eventually thrown a... Uh, Outside the land. So Jonah has to do it anyways. Right? So Jonah's going to pray and God's going to answer. He ain't talking to him. There is a second point, which we'll get to that answer later in the story. And that is, Jonah's going to walk through the streets and say, in 40 days, God is overturning or turning over Nineveh. What happens if they repent? So God won't overturn Nineveh. Then they're going to look at Jonah and say, yeah, Jonah, you liar. You say we're going to be destroyed. Now, they should figure out, well, we repented. So that's why God forgave us. But Jonah was concerned that they're going to look at the words I said, they're going to take the words I said, and they're going to say, I'm not telling the truth. So that also concerned Jonah. 
Fine. So Jonah rents himself a boat. They go out on the water, and this humongous storm comes up. And the sailors realize there's something wrong, because in the distance, there's no storm. All the other ships out at sea are fine. And their ship is rocking and tossing and turning and who knows what. So it says Jonah actually went down to the bottom of the boat to go to sleep. Right? Like, how do you go to sleep? He goes to sleep because he figures that if God wants to kill him, God will kill him. No big deal. But the sailors were nervous. They said, something's wrong here. Let's do lots. Now, it's plural lots. Why is it plural? Because you can't, if you take a lottery with everybody's name, no matter what somebody's name comes up, right? That's no proof. But if you do the lottery 10 times and the same name keeps coming up, there's what to be said. So Jonah's name kept coming up. They went down to Jonah and they said, how could you be sleeping? And he says, he says, uh, it's all because of me and God is angry at me and the, so, and the, the sailors were nervous. So that Jonah says, put me in the water. So they dip his ankles in the water and the storm stops. Pull him out of the water. Storm is up and raging again. So, uh, so, so they said, we how, we're going to be responsible for killing you? How can we do that? Jonah says, it's what God wants. It's nothing to do with you. Toss me overboard. So they toss him into the water. Storm stops. These guys saw what God does. They, not only they went and repented and became Jewish, they took their families along with them. That's these sailors that were Jonah. So Jonah gets swallowed up by a fish. It is debatable. Was there one fish? Were there two fish? The Medrash, beautiful Medrash, says, first the fish swallowed Jonah and took him around the world to show Jonah all the beautiful things. Obviously miraculous, right? There's no air. You don't breathe inside a fish, right? If you go in the water, right, there's not Harry Potter. You don't get to breathe underwater. You're in a fish. Fine, it's miraculous. So, God, so after three days, so again, Jonah doesn't want to go. So just because God is showing him the world and his beautiful world and he doesn't want his beautiful world to be destroyed... Jonah doesn't care because he doesn't want to give the message. So either God makes it uncomfortable in the first fish or God has him put into a second fish. He's very uncomfortable. Jonah prays and God spits him out. God has a fish spit out Jonah onto the seashore and Jonah goes to Nineveh. Walks a day into Nineveh. Seems at that point that's where there was a large populace. And Jonah says, Jonah says, uh, okay, in 40 days Nineveh is being turned over. 40 days. You're getting wiped out. And the people, they, they, the call goes out. We must repent. We know it's happened before. Some say the king was the pharaoh from, from Egypt. And he says, God, God's going to turn us over? I know that, God. He brought ten plagues. He wiped out my army in the Red Sea. If God says he's turning over our country, he's going to turn over the country. So they, they, they made all kinds of courts, and they made everybody return their money. And Jonah's outside watching, and he's frustrated. He says, God, I told you uh, I told you it was going to happen. So God says, what do you want? Do you want me to destroy this big city? So one of the questions I asked you before was, so Jonah was concerned that they're going to take his words that he lied. So God tells Jonah, you don't understand. When I, you said the city will be overturned or turned over, there's two meanings to that. Either it can mean that the city will be flipped over, and completely destroyed, annihilated, or everyone will change. They will all be new people. And if they're all new people, like we say, to turn over a new leaf, right? If they all turn over and they all become better people, they're not the same people. 
So Ninveh, the Ninveh of old, of all those rotten thieves, is now a beautiful city of, of upstanding citizens. If they're all upstanding citizens, this city has been overturned. It's a new city. And that's really the lesson that we want from Yom Kippur. We read the story of Jonah at the end of the day by the afternoon prayer because we want to tell everybody that Yom Kippur is here. You have a chance to become a new and different person. When we're repenting and telling God we're going to be good, the idea is not just to talk. The idea is to go ahead and change. Maybe not large change, but even small change. By being by changing, we're showing God, yeah, I want to change. I want to become a better person. You're now a new person. If you're now a new person, God says, I forgive you, no problem. And here comes my music. So I hope you enjoyed how I told over the story of Jonah. Of course, I couldn't get everything in tight, tight packed 25 minutes. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Wishing all my friends and listeners a happy and healthy new year. Maybe you all be written and sealed in the book of life. Thank you to wonderful sponsors and listeners. You can't do it without you. Thank you to wonderful production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I've left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.